BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You guys, welcome to Just the Sip. It is 2020, and my New Year's resolution was to have a conversation with a celebrity I had no idea about. But I didn't realize that I actually know Nicky Jam really well because half his songs are on my playlist. The amount of text messages I got from people saying, if you f this interview up, this <laughs> dude is a national treasure, an icon. Please welcome Nikki, Nikki, Nikki Jam, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> dude, this is the first Just a Sip where I refused research. I was like, I don't want to know anything about this guy, I really want to just hear his story because every person that I've, you know, come in contact with that knows I'm doing this interview is like, this dude has a story. This dude is going to rock your world. Where are you from? What was the neighborhood like? And when did you know that music was your I mean, I was, I was born in uh, Lawrence, Massachusetts. It's a very small town in Massachusetts. Um, and I, I lived there until I was 10 years old. My dad, um, he moved to a, you really want to know a story? Like I could. No, I want, I want to, I want to hear because you know, you know, you hear Massachusetts, <laughs> you're like, that ain't the hood. No, Massachusetts Lawrence, ain't Lawrence, the Lawrence is the hood. Like it's Lawrence, the hood. Lawrence is the hood, like the hood, hood. Hey, man, you, have you even heard about Lawrence? I've never Imagine heard of Lawrence. Imagine that. That tells you how, how much, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying everywhere from Lawrence is a hood, there's good people up, but we got a hood. You got a hood. You got a hood in Lawrence. Like everywhere got a hood, you know what I'm saying? So that's why you're scrappy. That's why the comeback was there because you grew up in a place where you had to scrape to get I by. Had to, uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, so my dad and, and my mom, they, they were going through bad moments in, in, in Lawrence, Massachusetts. They were both uh, drug addicts. And um, my dad, he caught a case, uh, and he, he uh, instead of instead of uh, he bailed himself out. Instead of going back to court, he he left as a fugitive to take care of us in Puerto Rico. In those years, uh, the system wasn't connected with Puerto Rico. Today, yeah, today you go to Puerto Rico, they're, they're waiting for right you. Right back. But back in the '80s, it wasn't like that. So my dad um, raised us as a fugitive and as and and with drug problems. Damn. So uh, I I I was uh I was I was I remember that I, I saw there was like a, a place that had like a party and I was ten years old and I was looking inside and I saw people dancing reggae music yeah and they were like grinding to it and all that and it was love at first sight I'm like I want this for my life like this I need this because you didn't in the states people don't dance, don't dance they were no they were dancing like that they were uh -uh. like dancing it was like separated yeah you know yeah I mean? like you no dance, this is grinding hip hop this was like boom it was sexy. 
um, I just love the art of reggae music and, you know, Puerto Rico being the Caribbean and everything. So uh, I started, I, I was I was packing on a supermarket, packing groceries, and I used to freestyle with everything that I was, uh, every every item I had, you know, like the cheese and the, and the ham <laughs> and, and, you know, who I am. And I, I was, who's, who's freestyling with Velveeta? You. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, I was freestyling the supermarket and I, I became a little celebrity. And uh, everybody was like, yo, you got to go to aisle 12. There's this little kid that he works there and he'd be freestyling and all that. A lady came and uh, she signed me. Uh, well, a lady came. She said she wanted to sign me. Wow. And uh, I got in her car the same day. Same day she took me to my dad's house with a contract. The same day my dad filmed, uh, he, he, he signed the contract. He's like, you want this? I'm like, yeah, all right. And he signed the contract. 12 years old. 12 years old. And I did my first album when I was 12 years old. Did you ever think that you would be where you are out of that hood? Because I know a lot of times, growing up in the hood myself, people can't see themselves outside of it because everybody stays there. I mean, I mean, I was, at first I was just doing music uh, to, to have fun, but I would have never thought that I was going to, you know, get it, make it this far, you know, and um, it was just something for me to, therapy for me to feel good because I was going through a lot of situations. You know, my mom, I didn't see my mom for almost 20 years. Wow, where was she? Back she, in Lawrence? She was back in Lawrence, back in the States. And uh, my dad was a, a fugitive, so he was scared of contacting my mom because my mom being a, a, a drug addict and all that. You never, you didn't know. You never know what was going to happen. So uh, I didn't see my mom for a long time. So most of my life I was just trying to, like, be famous and do music to see if my mom could, could see listen you. to me and see me because I was always... Uh, trying to get my mom, but my mom, she got deported to Dominican Republic. I mean, it's kind of, it's a hard story. No, I, mean, it's, I, I, I don't I'm even know, no, I don't even know what I can say. Keep you on, know? you can say it all. Well, I'm my, like, my mom, is... my mom uh, stabbed the guy nine times because uh, he was trying to like do something to her and they deported her to Dominican Republic. And I, I was really famous and I lost everything. I went to jail. Then well, we gonna came get out there. We and gonna all get that. There. When I come out, I, I do a promise to God and I stop drugs and uh, I start doing good with my music and all that. I go to Dominican Republic when I'm 30 something years old and somebody tells me there's a lady outside saying she's your mom. You haven't seen this woman in 20 years. You're fresh out of jail. You made this pact with God. What was going through your mind when you were walking outside to see if this was your mother? Just thinking about it, my hands be sweating because it, it was something that I was waiting for my whole life. And it was like I said, so I, I wanted to be famous to find my mother and it worked, you know. Wow. And I had a show in Dominican Republic. And I, when, they, when, when my manager told me, Nikki, you have a show in Dominican Republic, I'm like, okay, this, I think this. This could be it. This could be it. Because you knew she was in the Dominican Republic. No, you I didn't, didn't know she was deported. You didn't know she was deported. I didn't know nothing about her. But I'm thinking she's Dominican. Somebody must know her. Somebody must know her. So I went to Dominican Republic. I was even posting on Instagram. I'm going to Dominican Republic. I'm gonna do a show. I'm trying to like make it. And when it happened, it was like uh, it was like a movie moment because uh, my bodyguard was like, "There's this woman outside. She she's fighting with everybody, saying she's your mom. She wants to see you." And then I go outside, and when I go outside, I see my mom fighting with everybody, and um, you just knew it was her. Automatically, I knew it was her because I remember her voice. And um, and then we hugged, and, and, and it was it. From there, we, we never separated again. Uh, it's, there's so many questions. It's so insane. Was there anger? Was there resentment? 
Was there any, what were you feeling towards her and how did you rebuild that relationship with her? We went into the little room that you go in when you sit down and, and, uh, and you wait before you uh, sing. And uh, she was looking at me. It was kind of like an awkward moment because she didn't know how to react. I didn't know how to react. We were just looking at each other. And, um, and then she showed me that uh, she saw... She she showed me a picture, a whole bunch of pictures of flyers and shows. Yeah. And th- th- she's like, I've been seeing you for years, but I didn't know I didn't know how to get to you. Because this uh, is before Instagram. This is before MySpace. Like, no, when she saw me, yeah, when she, when, when we when we got connected, it finally, was, this was in 2015, 16. Actually. Yeah, everything was already there, you know. But, but the flyers were from when? From all my life of doing music crazy you know but she just couldn't she was she was in dominican republic she can't go out she, she couldn't go out dominican republic so she, she couldn't know. travel because she was deported yeah so she couldn't go anywhere to check me out i went to lawrence a couple of times to do shows actually and she couldn't go to the shows in lawrence and, and, and see me because she was in the dr because she was in the dr deported so uh so i just told her that you know i told her if she wanted to come with me to Colombia, and those i was in Colombia, and you know we could like get clean together like I could help her get clean and 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 everything she's like no I've been I've been I've been clean but I, I don't want to go over there I don't think I, I'm good for you you know what I'm saying she, and I'm like I mean I told her I I think you don't understand I mean my whole life hasn't been good because you wasn't there and I want you with me so Damn. I took her I took her with me to, to, to Colombia and you guys have been inseparable ever since inseparable. I bought her a house in Dominican Republic she's living good you know she got that loud voice she's like papi te quiero <laughs> It's crazy how the universe works because I talk a lot on my shows about second chances because second chances do exist. But take me back to the beginning of your addiction. When did you start? How were you introduced to drugs? Okay, well, I saw drugs in my house since I was uh, five, six years old. You know what I'm saying? You don't know what it is to wake up in the morning and see uh, your parents uh, making weird faces because they on drugs. You yeah, know? Every, the house looked like it was a house with zombies. I'm not gonna lie. There, there's good moments. There's good moments. Uh, even even in those moments of drugs and addiction and 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 being poor, there's good moments. You know, but mostly it was bad moments. I so, grew up with an aunt and an uncle who were crack addicts. Yeah, and they lived two doors down from me. So I experienced. So you know, you know what I'm talking about. I know about. what you're talking about. They like, did crack. So they crack. Yeah, yeah. I, my mom did crack. My dad crack. Yeah, yeah. They're paranoid. At imagine five seeing in the that. Morning. Imagine yeah. you wake up four o'clock in the morning seeing your mom like that, seeing your dad like that. Uh, well, for those for those who don't know, there's a, a series in Netflix about my whole story. I acted on it, so y- y'all could see my whole What's story. What's it called? It's called The Winner, El Ganador. Done. So, um, so uh, I. Uh, I went to Puerto Rico. Uh, when I was in Puerto Rico doing music and all this, uh, I had my first girlfriend, and uh, she left me for some reason, uh, probably for an uh, older dude, because I was like, younger than her. She was 18, she was in college. And it was like, it, it hit me hard, because my yeah. mom left me. In my mentality, my mom abandoned me, and then this girl left Another me too. Another person doing the same thing. So I saw this guy next to my house, and he was uh, he was doing uh, cocaine. Yeah. So I, I I asked him, like, yo, what is that? Can, can, can I, because can I, I was like, I didn't care anymore. Like, you know, I fell in love with somebody, and they left me, so I'm like, and I, I started doing cocaine when I was 15 years old. And you did it often. And I did it often. I went crazy. And I went really crazy. I was already smoking weed when I was 11 years old. 
People don't understand that when you grow up in a community where drugs are present, everybody is on drugs. Yeah, everything and everybody is, is knows normal. that everybody's on drugs. It's normal. It's normal. Tell me about the highs of it all, because obviously you did it for so long. There must have been like when that career first started, the partying, the girls. Like, what was that like to be in that game at that time? Well, when I was uh, 20 years old, I was in the top of my career in in, in Puerto Rico. Obviously, locally in Puerto Rico, yeah. national. Only I was only famous in Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. And uh, I was making money. I was making like probably, uh, I don't know, uh, $5,000 a show. Imagine three shows a Friday, three shows a Saturday. That's Raking a lot of in. money it's for a 20-year-old kid in, in those years. Yeah. We're talking about uh, two, uh, 1999. We're talking about 98, 97. You two Ma chains at that point. Yeah, making all that money. So uh, obviously I was, I was already doing drugs and uh, I, went, I went crazy. All the girls, the drugs, the excess, the, ex the the fame, and I was with Daddy Yankee in that moment, uh, doing uh, music because we were we were like a, we were we were called Los Cangris. You guys were a group. We were a group, and um, so uh, I mean, I started messing up too much. I mean, messing up in ways that you don't imagine. Like you know, like I wasn't going to t shows, TV shows, uh, getting late to places. Because you were late. Sometimes they can find me for two or three days. Damn. Um, you know, just the drugs would drive me crazy. And then I, I caught a case because they caught me with a gun. And um, and um, it was a problem with attempted murder and all that. Uh, they gave me six years in, 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 in Puerto Rico and I did three. Cause I was, cause, uh, cause I wasn't really that bad. Wait, so you're at the top of your game. You're making upwards to thirty thousand dollars a week. You're in this hot band. Your name is known everywhere. You're invincible at this point because you think nothing can touch me. Exactly. And you lose it all. I lose it all because I was a rebel. You know, I was. I didn't care about nothing. You know, I didn't have my mom, and the only uh, girl that I fell in love with, I lost her. So in my mind, in my mentality, life was like, it was, I, I didn't care about why? nothing. And when you were using drugs, your life doesn't really matter. You know, your mind is like blank. It's not really thinking. So I go to jail uh, to make the story a little bit shorter because I don't want to take all your I'm, I'm like three. <laughs> this might be a four-parter because three years in jail is a long time. It is. It is. It is. And you got your together in jail. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know... Really, your, your your soul is kind of dead when you're in jail. I mean, it's not like the Tupac story. They tell you Tupac was doing music inside, yeah. and he was ready when it come outside. Now, when I was in there, I didn't care about nothing. You know, I didn't care about music. I didn't care about nothing. I was just trying to survive, you know, and just trying to just make everybody laugh in there, so, you know. And, so you don't uh, get your ass kicked. Yeah, I don't get my ass kicked. And just, you know, just trying to live and uh, survive. So uh, it was hard, you know, because in three years, you think three years is not too much, but in three years, a lot of stuff changes. It's a lot of stuff, especially in the music game. And especially in the music game. Because when you're hot, you're hot. And if you step off for a minute, a month, a yeah, year. Like a year, like a year, you probably could still make it. You know what I'm saying? Lil Wayne did it. Lil Wayne did it. Then he did a year and he came out, he boom, came killed the game. You know, a year's not too bad, but three years is, is, is crazy. But that group that you were in left without you. Everybody left, but I have nobody wanted to mess with me because I deserved it. You know, I, I was really, I was a wreck, you know, and uh, nobody wanted to work with me. Everybody was scared because I had so much problems in the streets. I was hanging out with street dudes and, 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 and doing things I didn't have to do. And Hood wreck. 
hood like hood crazy things. I wanted to. I was from a part of a hood, and I wanted to take care of that hood. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like put money and take care of it, and and those were my peoples, and those were my families, and it yeah, was, it was all it was alive. all over the place. It was all stupid. So um, one day they called me when I'm in jail. They called me. They 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 called my name, and I'm like, wait a minute. And when they call your name like that, it's because you're leaving, and it's it was only three years. I'm thinking I'm gonna do six years. Yeah. And they're like, man, is your, they calling your name, bro? You leaving? And I'm like, okay. So I just got out and um, faced reality. You know, faced reality, uh, everything changed. The that music, you ain't I ain't. Music industry changed. Uh, new kids were doing music. The whole, uh, the float changed. The music, the beats, everything changed. Daddy Yankee is now killing it in he's, America he's at a, this point. He's a king right now. Like I mean, he he was always a king, but he was like bigger than ever. And oh, I remember um, when that ninety nine gasoline that came out, and it was every king wear in two thousand and five. Yeah. And the reason why I know that because I went to Mexico and they played that every minute yeah man yeah man. and he and, you know he tried to help me a lot i mean he tried to help me a lot he tried so much it was it was almost embarrassing how much he tried to help me you know i was just hard-headed i, I didn't have the mind for it he you know what i'm saying because you're a latin dude a lot of times latin dudes and black dudes the pride always gets us exactly it's that f-ing pride that we can't take a hand out exactly that always gets us Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. There's something that happens in your life and you get this unbelievable second chance from God and you take it and you run with it. What was that second chance? Well, they called me once uh, to go to Columbia to do a show. And uh, I think it was a thousand dollars in those days and I needed to pay the rent. I needed money. So I'm like, okay, let's go. You know, they showed me who was going to be on that show. And it was everybody that was killing the game in that moment. And I was like the only old school cat. Yeah. You know, in that moment, I was weighing like uh, almost 250 pounds. Oh. It, was, it was a disaster. I, I didn't care about life. I didn't care about nothing. But you were sober at this point. No, doing no, drugs. Doing drugs Doing still. drugs. But I, I, I switched drugs. You know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't doing cocaine that much. I was doing perks. Yeah. And I was doing 30 perks a day. So everything I I was working just to maintain that. And that's, I don't know if expensive. you guys know, but perks is like heroin. heroin. I mean, it has opium. It's the same thing. To get off it, you got to do three, four days and get sick and throw up the whole situation. The sweats, the whole nine The yards. sweats, everything. 30 a day. 30 a day I was taking. So I was doing little shows, like little shows and work here and stuff here and little everything just to maintain that that uh, that, that, that addiction. Damn. So I went to Columbia and I and I, when I got there, I saw that everybody was like, uh, I saw all the new cats that were killing the game. You know, they were up there and I was like this old retired rapper. You fat know what I'm saying? Cat. Fat ass cat. Fat ass alley cat nobody, that nobody wants to f- Everybody Where? looking at me like, damn, it look like butt like gear, like you have a big ass face. Um, but the thing is, Colombia is a country where, for them, the music is like they take it serious. Like you know, like for them, I was a legend, 
in Puerto Rico, I was like, Watch that. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like the typical American mentality. You 100%. Know what I'm saying? Uh, it's, it's, uh, they didn't have that icon mentality. They're like, it, for, for them in Puerto Rico, it's like those songs are old. We need the fresh. Yeah, that's old. And in and, and, and Colombia, those are classics. Done. So when I went there and I got there, there's a big show and uh, they all performed. But when I was getting to stage, people were screaming like, I was confused. I thought it was somebody in the back coming. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, who's coming here? You know what I'm saying? Who, and they were crazy. And I started singing my classic songs, my old songs, all the songs that were hits. But the reason why they were classics is these were the first big hits. You yeah. understand? Daddy Yankee and Nicky Jam, we started this game with a whole bunch of other rappers back in uh, 92, 93. So and you this didn't was, realize This was 2005. Imagine all the hits I had before, before 2005 and 2006. No, this was 2008 actually, 2008. So I got on stage and I felt that love, and it was hard. it was crazy. That same week I did like six shows. So I said, you know what, I ain't going back. I'm gonna stay in Colombia, man. You they stay say, in Columbia. they say I'm a legend. <laughs> I'm a fat legend. They, they cool with say, this 220. They, they they don't care that I'm fat. They love me. Uh, I'm doing shows here, and it's cheap here to live. I'm going to stay in this country. Because so you're I, a king. I started doing shows. I started doing shows and still having the problem. And one day, uh, when I turned to 30, 30 years old, my, my 30th birthday, um, I went crazy, and I did so much drugs, so much drugs. And I had a problem. Woke up the next day, and... Uh, and I had a problem with, I don't know how to say it in English. Mobility. But you, know, you couldn't pick I up. couldn't. I couldn't move my, my hands. I couldn't even talk. It was like something weird, something I, something I messed up in my brain. Because you went that hard the night I before. I went so hard. I think the whole, all the years, you know what I'm it saying? It caught up with you. It caught up with me. So uh, I got scared, so I went to a, a brain doctor. A neurologist. That word is hard for me. <laughs> but I went there, and... Um, even get an appointment with one of those doctors. It's hard. You got to wait for a month and all that. So I went there and he looked at me and he said, look, I'm going to tell you this. I don't find nothing. But if you say you feel that, I'm going to tell you this. Or you stop doing drugs, you die. Simple as that. He told me that and it was a wrap. Okay. You, and you stopped cold turkey. Yeah. No, I, I called my dad because my dad already stopped doing drugs years ago. And I'm like, yo, dad, I need you to help me. I want to stop drugs, but I need you to lock me in a room. And do it. And help me. Because he knew the struggle. He knew the struggle. Knew how hard so it I needed was. somebody that knew about this and nobody better than family. But this is the scary part because I've dealt with this in my own family. When you have two people that are sober and on their programs, and then you have the third person who's still in it. How hard was it for them not to fall off? And even for you, there's probably friends of yours that are still doing the damn thing. I was staying in a house in Colombia where the guy was still messing around. So my dad said, the first thing you got to do is you got to leave this place, man. He knew. So, yeah, you got to leave this place because this guy, he's not going to help you with this. He's going to mess you up. So they took me to a, a different apartment. Uh, a guy was good enough to give me an apartment for a couple of months. He locked me in that room, and it was the worst six days of my life. 
Because you're hallucinating. You're sweating. You're, you're sweating. Begging. Bones are hurting. When you're cold, you need a blanket. But then you get hot. You don't need that blanket. And you it's the worst thing in the world. I tried to escape a couple of times, but I couldn't. And my dad was just giving, you know, just helping me and telling me, every time you suffer, just remember that's how ugly you, that's that's where you was. Damn. You know what I'm saying? You see how you suffering? Imagine how much of a slave you was with those drugs. So when I, I finally got better, I went out. And, you know, the hard part is not leaving drugs. The hard part is, is facing the world that, Facing the world that you was trying to avoid yeah. using drugs. Yeah. You the know, truth. It's going back to reality. You know what I'm saying? Like all these, all these uh skeletons you had in the closet that would make that made you go go back into yeah. that. So people don't understand. It's a whole process. It's not only it's a psychological drugs, it's you going back to the world. But I think for me it was easier because I was just happy to be alive. So he said I was about to die. The doctor said I was about to die. And I'm over here like my hands were getting better. My movements were getting better. I could have talked a little bit better. You were feeling yourself. I was feeling myself. So I got, I stuck myself in the studio and I started doing music. And I realized uh, guys that nobody knew in Colombia that had five million views. I'm like, five million views? On YouTube. On YouTube. This is like the birth of YouTube. Yeah, I'm like, five million views? Wait a minute. How many people in this country? Like, there's like 65 million people. Like, okay. So I don't need to be a worldwide superstar. If I can make a national hit in this country, if I focus and I work in this country like I live in this country, if I understand the culture and do music just for this country, I can make millions of views and I could probably bounce around the world. And that's what that's I did. What I did. focused on the whole country. I went to all the national TV shows. You know, I, well, not not every time I had, uh, they gave me the break to go in it, but I tried it, I tried. Yeah, you hustled and, it. And I did one song, it was, uh, the, the video it cost me like $500. It was called Piensas En Mi. And I was living in a farm that I rented back in a, a farmhouse that I rented in, in Colombia. I did, the, the song came out, and a year passed by, and I didn't know about nothing. I just came out that farm, do a couple of shows to survive, come back, pay the rent, be good, you know, chill with the cows and everything. It was so. You went with the land. It was good. It was so. I mean, there was a cow literally get, got his head inside the window <laughs> where I live, and I gave him food, and he was eating my food every day. Me and the cow, like he was my friend. Hey, so for hey. me, no, but I'm gonna tell you something. There was nothing more beautiful than that. I'm trying I mean, to imagine a, a the cow. man with the diamond necklaces. And like the backwards hat, the Gucci, and the, the tattoos. And I'm just imagining Elsie, like you living on a farm, you know, like <laughs> yeah. Snow White, just talking to the animals. Yeah, man. And I, mean, I mean, I mean, a big cow will come inside the window, like, ooh. And he would, I don't know if it was ooh, but it, he would do, he would, like, it was, I know it's moo, but he did ooh for some reason. And he was eating arepas. And in Colombia, they, they eat arepas. And, um, uh, I was, I, I was like, I was living a good life. And one, one guy came to me, visit, we was doing a barbecue, and he was like, yo, Nikki, your new song is killing the game right now. It's everywhere. I'm like, my new song? You I, had no idea. I didn't have a song out for a year. I'm like, nah, man, crazy, really. And I, I got on my phone, I checked the song, it had one million view. And I'm like, one million view? Oh, that's a lot. This and, is something. And, yeah, okay. That was, it was only big national in that city, yeah. not in the whole country in that city. But that's enough to do shows. So uh, I went. I, I called the radio station guy. I went to the radio station. And I, told, I showed the song to the guys. Like, nah, song is too slow, man. I, I don't like the song. 
And I go, all right. So some other guy called me and said, yo, we got a show for the people. Can you come and sing for free? And it's a radio station showing up. I'll play your music. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm down. Yeah. So I went over there. It was like uh, 20,000 people. And I, I got up stage and everybody was screaming. And, you know, but I was used to that in Columbia because they, they love me so much. I sang all my classic songs. When I'm about to leave, they started screaming, Pienz, I said, me. It was that news. It was that song. From a year ago. So I looked at them, and I looked at the DJ. I'm like, do you got it? Like, I don't got it, but I just I got the song. I play it, and you sing over it. I'm like, okay, go ahead. And when the song came out, everybody went crazy, and they started singing. I got so much goosebumps, and I, and, and I couldn't sing because I wanted to cry because I haven't had a hit for almost... 20 10, years, yeah, 15 10 years. years, 15 years. So, um, automatically, I called the other, uh, I called the other guy after that. It was a beautiful moment. I called him, I said, Hey, I need you to get me on your show that you're gonna do for the radio station. I go for free. I'm like, Okay, because I knew if I sang that song there and he saw the reaction of the people, it was a close automatically, was it was a done business. So I went over there, I sang my songs, and then I sang that song, and everybody went nuts. And I looked at him and said, that's the song you said it was too slow, bro. Damn. You know, like... And Don't he, you love that moment? Oh, that's the best moment of Don't my life. Don't you love that Those, pretty woman moment where you're like... Big mistake. Look, I, Huge I, I've mistake. I've got Grammys and everything, and it's not better than those moments. Those moments are the moments. Are that, the best. Those are the best moments in the world. But you are that artist that's the people's artist. 19.9 million YouTube subscribers. Also... The Bad Boy single, 36 million views in one week. Amen. We're talking about one of the most anticipated movies of this year. Yes. I personally think people were ready to see you and Daddy Yankee get back together. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just like they were ready to see Martin Lawrence and, and Will Smith together on no, this Bad Boy movie. For sure. They were ready to see Daddy Yankee. It was all crazy because... Uh, I mean, after 20-something years, me and Daddy Yankee together, after 20-something years, the Bad Boy's doing another movie, and we both on a soundtrack of that movie. Of the movie. So it can't be crazier than that. But again, Latin men are like black men, where the pride gets in your way. How did you put that pride aside and sit down with Daddy Yankee and be like, yo, we need to get this back together. This whole thing needs to just be resolved. Well, it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard because Daddy Yankee's always been like really good to me. And uh, we 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 uh, fixed all our problems, be way before everything. But I really wanted him. I really wanted to like way before this song. Yeah. Like we we fixed uh, our problems probably like uh, I don't know like seven eight years. And it was ago. cool. And we was just, okay, you over there, you over here. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, it's, it's territorial. It's easy to say you sorry when you need something, when, yes. you, when you're not in your best moment. So yes. my mentality is I'm going to work hard. So when I go back and say sorry, you're like, now nah, I believe you're sorry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cause For sure. You, you, you big now. You got your, you, he, he always was good to me, but I really wanted to work with him when I earned it. Yeah. Cause you you can't, didn't want a favor. You can't you can't you can't like uh, you can't go and uh, uh, be a playing for uh, for playing baseball for the Yankees. I say, and then and then you just leave for ten years and you come back like yo, I want to play with you again. You can't do that. Nah, bro, that's not the way it works. Yeah. So I need to earn my spot, and that's what I did. 
So Yankee always been there with me. We did a couple of remixes before this song. We was okay. We was good. We sat down. He's always been my mentor. He's always been the guy that showed me what's the the, the right way. I mean, don't get it twisted. That a Yankee was from the streets. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And and he he has his story too. You know so what I'm saying? Crazy. But he's always a smart guy, and and he he knew he wanted way better than being in the streets and uh, being. Uh, just being thuggy. being like his friends that yeah. died or in jail. So, you know, he was always a smart one. But let me ask you this question because, you know, being from the streets myself, I always see, you know, I went to school and college with all these guys that came from the hood. Yeah. And the minute they come from the hood, they take all four of their posse with them. And it's always the posse that f***ed up for people. Always, always. How hard uh, was it for you not to take the posse? Or did you take the posse? Well, in my stupid moment, yeah. The stupid moment, a lot of stupid things I did was because I had the posse. The posse you know, will f*** it the up. The posse always, you know, hyping everything up. Because, you know, and they hype you up. And they go, you going to let this mother yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, hell no. And you probably was going to let him. <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? What I resent. I wasn't really that mad. But he, 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 now that he's talking to me, like, hell no, man. So I'm now you got to check him, mother Now you got to check him, mother and then you got to fight and all that. It's a whole thing. And then you mad for no reason because some other guy was mad. Like, you're like, why am I mad? I was like... Yeah. And the person who ain't even in the money is the one who's mad in the posse. And then, no, and then you go to jail and he's chilling outside laughing at you like, hey. yo, man, what's wrong with you, man? You didn't lock you up. <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, you know, it's uh, I did all that, man. I went through all that. All that stupid stuff. I'm just not trying to get my story is really long. So yeah. I don't really, really want to drive you crazy here. I try to resume it the best I can. My story is on un, un, it's it, it looks unreal, man. It's But it's it, all in this Netflix show. Winners. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. It it's is. All sitting I, there. It, they're giving it in, they're airing it in Telemundo right now. Yeah. All around the world is on Netflix. In the States, People got to watch it in, 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 in the Spanish uh, channel because Netflix did a business with uh, Telemundo. No, no. The thing I don't like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is, you know, reggaeton music is such a big moment now. You hear it in everybody's music, pop artists, you know, hip-hop artists, urban artists around America. But I feel like you guys don't get the recognition that you guys deserve when it comes to accolades and Grammys and all those things. Are you upset about that at all? I mean, it's normal, you understand, because our music is, uh, I, I think hip-hop went through that, too. Hip-hop went you through know, that as well. You went to that, and uh, it's about getting organized and fighting for what you uh, believe in. And hip-hop did that. They fought, and they won, you know what I'm saying? Right yeah. now, they because they, I remember I remember that every year of the Grammys in hip-hop, uh, when when Kendrick deserved it, they didn't give it to Kendrick. They gave it to somebody else. Album of the Year went to Bon Iver and, again. And they were like, who's this guy? Or, yeah. or, and, and then somebody else. And then, you know, the Academy, for some reason, not really friendly with the urban street music. Yeah. For some reason. They really like the, what they call what's art, and they don't understand that art is anything that makes people want to dance and sing and have fun. That's art. And if you ever been and If you could get somebody off their chair, Come art, on. that's power. It's power. You know, so, I mean, for them, art is music that has instruments and uh, has a band. and uh, There's a tone. There's a tone, and it's opera, and it's uh, professional music, whatever you want to call it. No, man. Music is any melody that makes you want to dance and have a good time and sing and has a message. They don't understand that. They don't understand it. You know, and they 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 go they go for like, yeah, just because you have 50 million views on a song doesn't mean that it's art. Like, what do you mean? Like, if everybody's clicking on a song, it's because everybody likes the song. Consume it. And everybody likes the song means that it's art. You know, so, yeah. I, so I, I get it. I understand what they mean, what they say, but I 
I just think us as Latinos and people that do reggaeton music, we got to do a better job in getting together and fighting for what, yes. what we believe. Like this year, uh, me, uh, Daddy Yankee, uh, Jay Bobbin, and a couple of other colleagues, we did a we we boycott the Grammys, the Latin Grammys, because because uh, we we wasn't getting the recognition that we deserve. But a, a lot of a, a lot of other artists didn't, didn't go, they, they, didn't do the boycott, didn't do the boycott. But so do you what, care as an artist that if you get the accolade? Because I feel like when I look at your body of work, the people love it. They give oh, you yeah, the recognition. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, I, mean I, got, I, I got a Grammy, you know what I'm saying? But, You're like, I'm and good. I was surprised. I could be like, I don't care, Deuces. you know what I'm saying? But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I understand. It. There's nothing better than, than, you know, doing art and doing something, doing, doing your art and getting what you deserve for the art that you did. And and I, I think, we, like I said, we got to do a better job, everybody teaming. But at the end of the day, it, if you got on stage and there was thousands of people singing your songs, you won. You won. You won. That's the biggest prize. If you sell tickets when you do shows and concerts, you won. You know, I know artists that never got one Grammy, and they're the biggest uh, uh, singers in the world. Yeah. So it's not even about that. You know, it's it's not about that. But you do want your recognition. You know, you want that. Because I told my dad, like, Daddy, I didn't bring you no trophies in school, but then you got a couple of Grammys there, <laughs> billboards. You know what I'm saying? I got <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. These, these are these are trophies. You know what I'm saying? I you got good you trophies? Yeah. Now it's 2020. You're on top of your game. What was it like being in that car with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith? I mean, it was unreal. I, I, I still don't believe it. You know, I was sitting down for four hours in a car with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. Not a lot of people could say that in their lives. No, that's, not a lot of people can say that. That's a beautiful story to tell your grandkids. You know. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, I, I. That tells you about all the everything that I've told you about my story, and then you see that I'm sitting down in a car with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, and you're like, God is big. God is big. God is big. What was it like when you got that phone call? And did you even have to audition? Because I feel like a dude like you, it's like a shoe in. They're like, nah, we grew I up wish, in the hood. We good. Like I mean, they know I had the follows and all that. And sometimes that's important. But, you know, they want to know if I could act. So I was with uh, Will Smith in... in um, we did the World Cup song in in, in Russia. Yeah, because I got him in the World Cup songs because I, I I was like I'll do the World Cup if I could get Will Smith in. Yeah, that was me being smart. You, you, I see. <laughs> no, I'm learning. I'm learning. And I knew he never did the World Cup song before. Nothing you are like Bobby that. Fisher just with the chest, just the chest, you know, like you know, making so the moves. I had, I had I had my man, my manager is very is a very good friend of, of Miguel. That's uh, Will Smith's manager, and I'm like. I'm like, yo, let's get Will Smith inside. He was so, he was, he was happy like he was nobody. <laughs> he was happy like he wasn't. Like, I'm getting work on. Hell, you just do this, and I'm like, oh my god. That's why he works all the time because he goes into it like he's a nobody. Yeah. So, so when we go, when we're doing the song, we're in Russia and we're happy and we're doing this. He's like, yeah, we're doing a bad boy movie. He knows I'm almost 40 years old. And you're like, this crafty. Like, this is where the crafty comes in. So I'm like, yeah, I would love to be in that movie. He's like. Okay, you do the casting and you do good as yours. Damn. And I'm like, it wasn't that easy. Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is Will Smith and I'm not. I'm he is jam, Will Smith. Man. I'm like, all right, I'll go to I'll go to the casting. I'm gonna do this. I went to L.A., you know, and um, I did the casting in front of these three ladies. It was like all serious, that poker face. Yeah. And uh, I did it. I got the part and. Uh, 
I'm Suelo, and uh, I'm a bad boy inside that movie, one of the villains in the movie. That Do is it. nuts. Yeah. Not only the part, but the song on the soundtrack, reuniting with Daddy Yankee for what's going to be one of the biggest collaborations this year. How crazy is it that your life is just on this wave? Like, do you ever step back and think to yourself, like, who the f am I to get this? Like, or like, what did I do? Or I do every day, every day, and every day. Uh, Cause I lost everything, or once. Uh, I'm grateful for everything that God and 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 people, my people has given me, and I'm just you know, always humble about it, and always working like I'm about to lose everything. That's you know, the key. And I think that's what makes me successful and that's what's making me getting all these good things and having a good attitude about everything. Because back in the days when I, every every bad thing that happened to me happened because I really had a bad mentality. Yeah. You know, but when you once you got good energy, you bring good stuff to you. And when you do good, good stuff will come to you. So I'm just I'm just happy. I mean, my new album is out. Uh, Intimo came out in November. Killing the Game right now, uh, the album. And I got this new single with Daddy Yankee, Muevelo. It's the it's number three right now in the world. It's the sh and uh, the movie, and I'm here with you having an interview with one of the best guys on TV. Okay, man. hold on, you know hold on. Now say that in Spanish so people know it's real. Estoy con uno de los mejores tipos de la televisión aquí ahora mismo, bro. Yes. See, see. Now I just have one more question. I, I, I'm going to save the shadiest question in my arsenal for last because I'm going to be honest with you. If I was as talented as you, if I could sing, if I was this famous, if I looked like you, because you're a swaggy ass dude, you know what I'm saying? I'd be tearing up some hoes in the streets, okay? <laughs> I would be a big tornado. Oh my God. I'd be eating bitches up because I know I've traveled with a musician before. Yeah. I've seen how it goes in the yeah. back. I've seen how, I'm telling you right now, it was like in zombie land. You have to fight these bitches off to get through, to get to the room. Like people are like going through vents, like girls are coming through back doors, but you're in a relationship. I'm in a relationship because I did all that crazy stuff you said. I jumped around and all that. All kinds of girls, big, tall, anything you say you name it they were coming through they were all coming through but uh it, it, it was a lonely life you know it feels kind of lonely i mean i did it for so long it came to a moment where i felt like every time i was with a girl it was like that they were leaving a piece of their that bad energy on me you you couldn't get it off of you. i can't get it off of me so i was like i was like i need to change my life and i met i did this video uh, a couple of almost a year ago and I met the love of my life. You know, she's uh, she's from Louisiana, from where you from? Southern girls, baby. <laughs> yeah, and uh, she has the most beautiful eyes I ever seen. And I said she's gonna be my girl, and uh, she's my girl. <laughs> and you've been together for how long? Uh, for a year. Was it the first time that you had found love since that girl broke your heart when you were? I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes. And what's it feel like to finally mend that heart? It, it feels good. It feels like God has finally given me everything that I wanted. <laughs> you gonna marry this one? Yeah, I think I'm marrying. You gonna put a ring on that? I mean, yeah, I don't want. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what she's looking right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cause I, like, I don't know, but yeah, I, got, I, I think I'm marrying her. Yeah. All I'm saying is, I see that fucking diamond necklace. You better not be cheap on that ring. Nah, 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 nah. nah. I'm not gonna be cheap. You better on that come ring. through. I'm going hard. I'm going hard. I'm going hard. This man just took the sip, and it was my favorite sip of 2020, and it probably will be of this show. Thank you so much. Hey, love you, man. I appreciate it, man. God bless, man. Much love.
Vanessa, you know when people get second chances in this world all the time, Lindsay Lohan, I'm not gonna say your name, <laughs> and they f them up. Yeah. They really do ruin them. And sometimes there's this one out of a hundred that gets that second chance and not only does it, but kills it. And this man kills it. I mean, that story, I'm sure there's even more to that story than what we heard in our 45 minutes. It was incredible. And the fact that he has come so far and is still so humble and so funny and so sweet is in, like mind blowing. Bitch, the fact that he's alive. Is mind blowing. Is mind blowing. <laughs> that's true, that's true. But I love this story because breaking the cycle is hard. Mm -hmm. especially when both parents are part of the cycle. And it's crazy whenever you think about somebody who grew up in that environment and who grew up in a trap house. Right. It puts life in perspective, especially for people who, I mean, everyone's got problems, but then when you hear someone's story like that, it really puts your life into perspective that what you can overcome yes. and like what is a big problem versus a bigger problem 100%. and what a real challenging life is like. Yeah. I think it really kind of can slap you into reality to hear that someone can overcome so much no. and be so successful. And he deserves it. For sure. You know, he's talented, he's worked his ass off, but it's, it's a pretty amazing story. You know, growing up in the hood myself, you know, I run across these people that I grew up with and a lot of times they have this, well, this was the hand I was dealt attitude. Right. You know what I mean? Like, no, oh no, these were the cards that I was dealt. And I of was course. very lucky because I was raised by my mother. My mother did not was not an addict. My mother did not abuse anything. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the other people that I grew up with in my life weren't as lucky. Um so for the longest time, like I had this, you know, I was lucky thing, but I don't think it's about luck. I think it's about seeing your life mm -hmm. and realizing that there's more out there. So, you know, when I hear these are the the cards I was dealt, this is the hand that I was, you know, handed. I don't believe that anymore. It's having that that heart to kind of persevere past that, right? Like 100%. he had his come to Jesus moment. And there's people there there are people in the world that sit and feel bad for themselves and stay in those moments. And yeah. then there's people who changed those moments and pushed past. 100%. And like, that's exactly what he did. And by the way, no shade to Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico is one of the most beautiful yes, countries I've, been there too. I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It's old school. It has so much culture and so much life. But the one motherfucking thing I ain't trying to do in Puerto Rico is go to jail. Right. Okay. <laughs> I have seen Locked right. Up Abroad. Yeah. I have enjoyed from afar yeah. Yeah. where I can rewind my DVR. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't imagine going to jail. I mean, listen, the jail I have in my head and my fantasies is like Oz with Chris Maloney. Right. right. But I know that doesn't exist in Puerto it doesn't Rico. Exist in Puerto Rico. No. Three years in jail is a long time. That is a long time. Three years in jail for a musician is a long time because you know you, you have these Kodak Blacks, mm -hmm. you have these Takashi 696969s, maybe mm -hmm. one more 69, I'm not sure. <laughs> and you have all these people who kind of lose it, but mm -hmm. it's about the people, sometimes it's about the people around you. Yeah. And we didn't even get to that. You know what I mean? Right. But I also like that how honest he was about his time in jail. Like when he was like, it wasn't that Tupac moment, I was still angry. Like it wasn't until he got out of jail. That he, that had, he had his moment, right? Like he was still angry, still just trying to get by, had lost, he said, I lost my soul. So jail was like his, like, 
on his road of his like darkest path, it right? Was it wasn't violent. even like, oh, this was my moment to kind of come clean and no. you know change my life. Because he got out of jail and was doing the same yeah. things. And he still hit rock bottom after that. Has anybody been to jail other than Vanessa here? <laughs> you guys, thank you for listening this week. Remember to see this video of this podcast, you can head over to the E! News YouTube channel and click on Just The Sip. I need you to like, rate, comment. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, if my facial expressions are wrong, if I'm talking too much. I don't care. Just tell me in the comments what the fuck you want me to change. And you can follow me at The Lady Sitter. You guys will be right back next week with more Just The Sip.